First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I'm going to make a few little changes as I go. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability, well, this says to give wise advice, and I think uh, a word of wisdom is the best translation there. To another, the same Spirit gives a word of knowledge, a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your holy word. As we explore today, Lord, bring us into a greater depth of understanding. Let us come to a new height of experiencing the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now I'm going to continue to read the rest of this chapter, so listen carefully. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So again, you, what's happening here? Uh, this is more of a word of wisdom coming from Paul to help the Corinthian church stop their divisions. It was killing their church. And so here he comes with this wisdom to say to them, look, you guys, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? If the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. 
And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the most honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Wow. That's like uh, really powerful stuff. The, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that we read about today are listed in a pattern. Two, five, two. I always thought it was three, three, three. In fact, it, it looks that way up here, but it's two, five, two. Now, the first two are listed as words, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And then the next five are, are miraculous or extraordinary gifts. And in the last two, they relate to the gift of tongues. The first gifts are identified, listen carefully, as logos, logos. That's the Greek word for, for word, capital W, it's Jesus. In the beginning was the logos, the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. So this is the word logos, okay? Now it's very important that we understand that because a couple of weeks ago I mentioned to you about the, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge where Christians get spontaneous, miraculous information about how to solve a crisis. It's usually some kind of spontaneous statement from the Holy Spirit about somebody's injury or an illness that God wants to heal. Uh, I also told you about the police officer in Los Angeles who uh, had a word of knowledge about a child who had been kidnapped and he had told the parents, we will find him. And you talk about a, a needle in a haystack. And he, he pulled over his, his cruiser on the side of the road and just stopped and said, why did I tell that, that husband, that, that dad, why did I tell him that we would find that kid? And then he got this word. The, the Lord told him because you see that car going past you right now? The kid's in that trunk. And he went and got him and pulled that guy over and got that kid out of the trunk. Um, so what was that? Well, we all, all of us, including me, we would call that a word of knowledge. But do you mind if I get a little bit technical today? It's, I'm going to do it anyway. To be completely and purely true to this text... What I was describing when I told you that story would be more accurately called a rhema. 
of wisdom or a rhema of knowledge. Okay, so if you've been a Christian for a while, you've heard that word around. There was a period of time when we used rhema word uh, quite a bit. Uh, we valued it very highly, but like everything else, it was overused and abused, and uh, so we walked away from the terminology. But there is a rhema of wisdom. There is a rhema of knowledge as spiritual gifts, but these are different than a logos of wisdom or a logos of knowledge. Okay, so uh, let me explain what that is. A logos word is not a spontaneous message, but it's a prepared, studied message or teaching. Well-researched, studied, diligently prepared. That is a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. So this message right now and the sermons I preach on Sundays are logos words. Logos of wisdom. That relates all the way back to chapters 1 through 4 in which the wisdom of the cross is, is contrasted with the wisdom of the world. Look, every sermon I preach makes the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection prominent in the teaching. That's why you'll find to be that's what you'll find to be characteristic of the logos of wisdom. In every message, my desire is to impart knowledge and truth about Jesus Christ in the Bible. So, this today is a logos of knowledge. Okay? Now, people emphasize a rhema of wisdom and the rhema of knowledge. And these are clearly spiritual gifts, but they're not the gifts listed in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. So the idea of the sermons and the teachings being a logos of wisdom and a logos of knowledge is the primary idea that Paul was trying to get across to the early church in Corinth. And this definition of a logos of wisdom and a logos of knowledge is 2,000 years old. So we need to keep that in mind. Now, let me, we all have had rhemas of wisdom, rhemas of knowledge. Now, uh, let me just make a, a little bit more of a distinction here today. So, this entire series on Corinthians, I would call a word of wisdom. But this sermon, each individual sermon, I would call a word of knowledge, according to the way that it's written in the original language. Um, one thing we all need to, to be very aware of is that, like in our, in our Milky Way galaxy, the sun is right in the middle of everything, right? And we all, everything revolves around the sun. Well, that's just a small, tiny portion of wisdom to help us realize the big picture is that the entire universe revolves around the S-O-N, the son of the living God. Everything goes back to Jesus. He's the center of the world. He's the center of the universe. He's the center of this church. He's the center of our lives. He should be the center of our families. He is the center. He's the wisdom. 
personified. He's Jesus. He's, it's all about Jesus. And if we ever detract from that, oh, pastor gets so tired every Sunday, you work it in somehow about Jesus and the death, his death on the cross. Yes, everyone. Oh, pastor, I get so tired of hearing it. What, you get tired of drinking water? What, do you get tired of breathing air? What's wrong with you? This is essential for life. This is the guy who split time in half. I, I read the other day about an atheist who said Jesus Christ never lived. He's never been to Israel. You can walk, like Ben just saying about, in the steps of Jesus. He's everywhere in Israel. He's the reason they have their economy. Because we all want to go there and see what Jesus did. That's where he lived. That's where he's coming back to. Friends, don't ever negate the fact that if you're looking for wisdom, look no further than the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is wisdom. You need wisdom today? Just ask him. Ask him for wisdom. So the big picture, you know, I was uh, on a plane the other day and I, I met this man. We, we sat by each other and had a great talk. And he's a an elder in a, another church, one of the old mainline churches, and he told me he had never read the Old Testament. But he's reading it now, and he said, that's bloody. It's, it's hard to read. Why? And he asked me as a pastor, why is, that, why is the Old Testament so ruthless, so full of war and bloodshed? And so I just said, well, again, okay, Make sure you realize wisdom brings us all the way back to Jesus. So even everything in the Old Testament was leading up to the time that when Jesus would come to this earth. And God had to protect the seed that he would come through. Everything had to be done very appropriately and in order, in order for Jesus to come. So that's why a lot of those things in the Old Testament happened. And another thing... God doesn't look at death the way we do. We look at it, and it's just awful here on this planet. But to God, death isn't awful. The only real death is being separated from him throughout eternity. That's awful. But death is just kind of a, a, a part of life, according to this book and according to God. But, friends, just don't miss out on the, the message today of wisdom, it's all about Jesus. Now, one essential characteristic of a, a spiritual gift is that it is something designed for the needy. It's designed for us to help somebody who's needy, somebody who's broken, someone who's hurting, and who's not. Right? We're all broken people. We just have different details in our brokenness. All of the spiritual gifts will end when we get to heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we'll study next week. 13.8 says that love never fails, and therefore agape love will continue throughout the rest of eternity. But whether there is prophecy, 
It shall be rendered ineffective. Whether tongues, they will cease. You know, a lot of churches will tell you that these gifts have already ceased. They were just for that day. They were just for the apostles so they could get the scriptures written. And now there's no more need for any of these spiritual gifts. Well, then if that's true, then contextually in the scripture, we also have to be through with knowledge. Okay? Because that's the next thing it says. That um, love, uh, verse 8 It says, prophecy and speaking in unknown language and special knowledge will become useless. Really? Has that already happened? I don't think so. So, you know, if knowledge hasn't been rendered effective yet, then neither have any of the other gifts. They're still here. They're still available. And that's what we're going to talk about and try to experience today in this service. So, faith is a spiritual gift because... It will pass away when faith turns to sight in the presence of Jesus Christ. You don't have any need for faith when what you've hoped for is standing right in front of you. One day Jesus will be standing right in front of you in heaven. You won't need faith. You need it right now because you haven't seen him. And you have to have faith. This gift of faith is not referring to the gift given to those who have trusted in Christ for salvation but to individuals who will exercise the gift of faith, which is a heightened boldness in prayer or action for a specific result of God's will. Now, there are many people who have such an abundance of faith. One of these Christians was a man by the name of George Mueller. Have you ever read about him? He lived, um, I think it was in the 1800s. He ran an orphanage in England but he made a commitment, Lord, I'm, I'm never going to ask for money. And he kept that. So you know what he did? Instead of going out and raising money, which he needed, he ended up with uh, uh, hundreds of, of orphans. But um, rarely did he have a surplus of money or food. But every day he would pray for God's provision for that day. And God was faithful. And God supplied and miraculously. Somebody would come to the door. There'd be a check in the mail. It would all happen with God's plan through miraculous and divine intervention. Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago that in 1 Corinthians 13... When it begins, it identifies four of the spiritual gifts in the first two verses. Then again in verse 13, the gift of faith is repeated as a current spiritual gift. It's mentioned just prior to hope. And so I want to suggest to you today that hope is another spiritual gift. Not the hope of salvation, just as the gift of faith is not the faith of salvation, but a supernatural infusion of faith. So the gift of hope is when a person is given a, this supernatural infusion of hope for themselves or for the community when everything seems hopeless and lost. Friends, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out there after COVID that are still hopeless today. Let's go give them some hope. Amen. That's who we are. 
We're the people of hope, and it's a gift. We need to encourage people. We need to help people. Sometimes they come to the place where all of their plans have been destroyed. And so we come along and we tell them, God hasn't forgotten about you. Now, another spiritual gift is the gift of healing. Healing is the ability to pray for someone who is physically ill so that they can be healed, although it also can be uh, a healing from some mental health issue, an addiction, or a spiritual issue. Now, several evangelists have also, through the years, had the gift of healing, which has opened up to those who haven't yet been saved so that they will come to Christ. Many people are healed before they know Jesus, and that's a beautiful gift that the Lord gives. And with some of those who've had the gift of healing, like way back when, Amy Simple McPherson in the 1900s, early 1900s, she had such an ability that God flowed through her and people were healed. If you were to go to Angela's Temple, even today, as far as I know, last time I went, they have this uh, case filled with crutches and wheelchairs and and all the things that people were, were healed from, that's their trophy case. But did you know that as she continued to pray for others to be healed, her own health declined? Why? I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that we won't really understand or know till we get there, till we get to heaven. But... A similar spiritual gift is the gift of miracles. We've already had a miracle in this service today. Larry Wayne was silenced. <laughs> miracles do happen. The gift of miracles complements the gift of healing and faith. Some miracles are very small personal miracles that defy the laws of nature, and they defy any other explanation. So sometimes there are absolute miracles that take place. Hey, we're praying for a miracle to happen today in this service, a real one. Other miracles have happened in large audiences and have resulted in many people coming to Christ. But here in the United States, because we're taught to think rationally and that miracles no longer occur, we see far less miracles than you would find on the mission field. Because on the mission field, people have a greater expectation of a miracle to take place. You know, I was uh, reading the other day, uh, I love the Jesus film. It's, uh, we support the Jesus film here in our church, and it goes around the world, and they translate it into the, the heart language of the people in small villages, wherever they go, and they go in and show the film. Well, uh, this group of people, actually it was a husband and wife team, they were in a remote area where the culture in that area was, uh, if you get thirsty, it was very arid, 
like us. So uh, if you get thirsty, just knock on somebody's door and they're going to be happy to give you a drink of water. And that happened to this, this couple. They, were, they had the Jesus film. They were on their way to a village. They were going to show it. Before they got there, they got thirsty. They knocked on a door. The, the people invited them in. But when they saw that they were bringing the Jesus film to this village, they didn't like that. They didn't want that to happen. So the man went in and filled the water glass and handed it to the lady, and they sat down, and as she went to take a drink, the glass just burst and broke, and she was, I'm so sorry, I, I, you know. And uh, later that night, that couple, after the film was shown in that village, came up and asked forgiveness. We wanted to poison you. And there was poison in that glass, and God intervened on your behalf. That's a miracle. Miracles happen. Miracles take place. Uh, but again, a lot of times it happens because on the foreign field, they're in, they're allowing themselves to be put into dangerous situations. And we don't do that very much here. Another spiritual gift is the gift of prophecy. This is distinguished from the calling to be a prophet. All prophets have the gift of prophecy, but Christians can also have the ability to prophesy through the Holy Spirit without having the office of being a prophet in the church. Prophecy has different facets. One facet, the one we most commonly think of, is the ability to tell the future. So that would be a, a foretelling of something that's about to happen. The other facet is the ability to speak forth the will of God. So uh, the first facet is foretelling. Second is forth-telling. Uh, this is what is going to happen because this will be what God's will is. So another spiritual gift is the discernment of spirits. This gift has both a general and a specific Application, when it's used generally, the person with the gift of discernment of spirits is able to distinguish between whether activities happening for an individual or even for a group, whether it's coming from the Holy Spirit or from an, another spirit or a demonic spirit. So the specific application occurs when there is a spiritual presence or a prophetic statement. In that case, the person with a discernment of spirits is able to distinguish whether the spirit behind that manifestation is either from God or from the evil one. And friends, we need this gift. Why? Because the evil one often appears as an angel of light. And you think you're following God, but you're not. And there are cults in our culture right now that have been deceived by the angel of light. And we need discernment. It's crucial in the church. We need this gift to avoid being deceived. Now, the final two gifts, okay, been going through the 252 pattern, and these relate to tongues. The second to the last spiritual gift is the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is the ability to speak in either a human language or a heavenly language that a Christian has never learned. In chapter 12, Paul is speaking a, 
of a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues that not every Christian possesses. So at the end of the chapter, remember we were reading, are all prophets, are all apostles, do all speak in tongues? And the rhetor those are rhetorical questions and the answer is no. But what that's talking about is that in a church service like this, there's only a few people that would have the gift to speak out in tongues that must be accompanied with an interpretation or it's not going to benefit any of us. But everybody has the ability to speak in tongues as a gift of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So please seek that gift. If you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, what happens? It, it opens you up to the fullness of what God has for you, okay? So in other words, uh, it's like this story. Um, guy's out, and he's, he's been given a chainsaw, and he's trying to cut a tree down. He was told to go cut this tree down, and he's having the most trouble. Oh, man, things are not going well until another guy shows up with another chainsaw, and he goes over to his tree, and he cranks up the chainsaw, and the guy, the first guy says, what's that noise? <laughs> so that's the difference between being baptized in the Holy Spirit and not. You have more power. You have more authority. You have more ability to press in to the supernatural gifts that God wants to give the Holy Spirit wants to give to all of us. Now, do you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to operate in one of these supernatural gifts? I, I don't think so. But what I'm saying is that you'll be like that guy trying to cut the tree down without using the power source. So uh, open yourself up. Pray this way. Lord, when, when I got saved, I know I got all the Holy Spirit I'm ever going to get. Uh, he, Holy Spirit's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He came to live inside of me. And so I have all of you that I'm ever going to get. You know, you'll hear it over and over in different churches. More, more, more. More what? Well, you have all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. But what the Holy Spirit wants is more of you. So it's just like, it's like inviting me over to your house. Okay, let's... let's this used to happen years ago. Uh, actually, it wasn't really an invitation, but my dad, when he pastored in the 60s, 70s, uh, we would go, people would visit the church, and then we would go visit them. And I got in on this as a kid, and I loved it because it was so fun. I was so um, rambunctious, I guess is the word, that uh, so the people knew my, my dad, the pastor, was coming. And so the house was relatively clean, and the, the dusty coffee table big Bible was out for the first time in years. I don't know how they found it, but it's still dusty, but there it was. And I knew that these people were hiding something. And so, you know, my dad, I mean, I only did it once, and he never took me again, but... Uh, <laughs> I walked over to the closet and I opened the door. You wouldn't believe the stuff that fell out of that closet that they wanted to hide while the pastor was coming to their house. That's exactly what it's like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can't, don't hide from him. He knows what's going on. 
He loves you. He's already taken up residence inside of you. But he's a gentleman. He's sitting in your living room waiting for the invitation to come into your kitchen to help you with discipline how to eat better and healthier. Invite him into your kitchen. Invite him into your library. Oh, I can't take him in there. There's pictures on the wall I don't want him to see. He knows about it. He'll help you get the right pictures on the wall. He'll help you get the right books on the bookshelf. He wants to help you. He's the helper. Let him help you. But the most unruly member of our whole body is this thing. Right? It's like a rudder that leads a ship. I mean, it's very tiny, but it's very powerful. And so what we all need to say is, Holy Spirit, please, uh, don't, don't just sit there like a gentleman in my front room. Come to my kitchen. Come to my library. Come to my bedroom. Come to my closet, my dirty closet where I tried to hide everything from you. And he'll do it. And you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he'll give you a heavenly language. And he's not going to make you speak it out. It's still you. It's your voice. So join him in worship, praise. But all of a sudden your English just becomes inadequate to tell him how much you love him. And he gives you this beautiful language and you just go for it. Sometimes it will be right on the tip of your tongue. Sometimes it will uh, be like a stutter. Sometimes it'll be like a river flowing from deep inside of you. Don't be afraid of this. This is all right here in the Bible. This gift of the Holy Spirit opens you up to the things of God. Your faith will grow. Your expectation of hearing more clearly from the Lord will grow. And the final spiritual gift is the interpretation of tongues, which complements the public gift of tongues. And so whenever there's an expression of tongues, there needs to be an interpretation. And let me just talk about interpretation for a minute. I'm just trying to make things as clear as possible today. We want the church to be edified. At times, interpretation is a general statement, such as a statement that an expression of tongues was a call for the church to worship. Okay, so that could be what happens. Uh, friends, I just believe this message in tongues was a call for us to worship. Come on, let's, let's all worship the Lord. But then there are other times, other instances, where that gift of interpretation is like a word-for-word -word translation from one language to another. Have you ever been in a service where it was an actual language, like Italian or Spanish or something that was being being said, and somebody just interpreted it word for word. And it was absolutely for the person. There was a person there that spoke that language, and that was the message for them. But most of the time, it's a heavenly language. And so that interpretation is not a word for word interpretation. It's not a translation. And sometimes Christians get confused about that, and it's held people back. I remember one time I gave an interpretation, and somebody came up afterwards and said, Pastor, I had those very words, the first five words you said. I had that. I had that interpretation too. And I said, well, maybe. I mean, it, you know, it's usually not word for word. 
It's usually the essence of what the Holy Spirit wants to say will come across through your personality and through the way that you share it. So, um, we need very much to understand, like let's say in a group like this today, if everybody spoke in tongues and we had to interpret that, we'd be here all day. So that's why it's just, you know, the Bible's very clear. We're going to get very soon to the regulation. You do understand that this is a letter that Paul wrote that we later put into categories like chapters. In chapter 12, he's talking about how the gifts of the Spirit are distributed. In chapter 13, which, by the way, nobody throws out of the Bible because it's the love chapter, chapter 13 is still talking about the spiritual gifts. But now it's talking about what motivates us to be utilized in the spiritual gifts. What's your motivation? Why do you want to be used in the gift of tongues in a, in a church service? Why would you want to be used to interpret? Why would you want to be used to give somebody a rhema of knowledge or a rhema of wisdom you know, what's behind it? The motivation for every one of these gifts is love, agape love, love for God. I don't want any credit. I don't want you looking at me like I'm super spiritual or something like that. I just love God. I want the fullness of all he has for me. I want him to be able to use me like he did the other day with a waitress who was all bubbly and, and cheerful, and the Holy Spirit said, tell her that her sorrow is just about to turn into joy. And I said, Holy Spirit, she doesn't have any sorrow. Look at her. She's bubbly. She's cheerful. She's making a difference, helping all kinds of different people at different tables. And finally, she came to my table, and I said this. Um, may I share something with you? Sure. Um, the prayers you've been praying are just about to be answered. She's, thank you. You know, so she went off. She cried. She came back 10 minutes later. And she said, you have no idea. These last three months have been the worst three months of my life. And I said, oh, good, good, good. I mean, not good, but uh, uh, I was supposed to say your sorrow is about to turn into joy. And she went, oh. I mean, I'm so happy I got to be used of the Lord like that, you know. And, and all of us are supposed to be used of the Lord like that. We have spiritual gifting that we can tap into. Now, you can't choose it. The Holy Spirit gives you what you need when you need it. Okay? So... Uh, You'll hear people all the time, man, oh, come on, I was raised in Pentecost. So, oh, I have the gift of interpretation. Oh, I have the gift of tongues. Uh, well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> the Holy Spirit allowed you to be used in that gift. And, 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 and you know how people can grow in gifts. So like Barry Perez, when we have Barry, oh, man, he has grown in the gift of healing and miracles. And he just knows and the way the Lord works with him, like uh, he'll just be preaching and all of a sudden he'll, he'll feel pain in his neck. And he'll go, somebody has pain on the right side of their neck. Who is that? 
You know, and he's just, he's just grown in this gift. It's so beautiful. He just feels what we're feeling. Your knee, your ankle, your foot, um, whatever it is. And so here's what I want us to do um, in our time that we have left together today. Oh, tons of time. We got all kinds of time. Here's what I want to do. So let's experiment, okay? Now, uh, I have trouble with this because I struggle with perfection. Um, I'm, I'm CDO. Uh, some of you are OCD. I like to alphabetize it, <laughs> put it in order. Uh, the guys for years have messed with me with these Kleenex boxes because used to be I would always make sure they were all straight, you know, and, and like, you know, spread apart. Oh, look at those. I can't even look. Those are horrible. Somebody fix those, please. Um, so because of my, my tendency towards perfection, which surprises my wife, by the way, <laughs> And you look at the piles I have at at home. Um, I struggle to allow us to fail in the gifts. Try and fail. It's okay to fail. I would love to create an atmosphere in our church where we all attempted to allow the Holy Spirit to give us a gift and you know, maybe you hit the mark, maybe you don't. It's okay. So I'm not the type. My gift is encouragement. I'm, a, I'm an exhorter. So that's my motivational gift from Romans 12. So I'm not going to, I'm not the type. I'm just not going to call you out. Like if you gave an interpretation, I'm not going to say, well, nice try. I didn't quite hit the mark there, you know. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Yes, yes, yes. That's wonderful. That's good. It's someone else. Uh, you know, let's, let's keep going with this. Maybe we haven't quite gotten the essence yet of what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. All right. So here's what I want to do. Um, Tony? Tony. Tony Handy, come here real quick. Uh, Tony's been in the ministry as long as I have, Pastor Tony. And... He's got, Tony, I want you to just tell the folks, let's call it a rhema of knowledge to be accurate. Tell the folks a couple of stories about words of knowledge, rhema, rhemas of knowledge that you've had in your ministry. Um, yeah, I, 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 one thing that I've learned from the words of knowledge that God gives is that, that God knows everyone intimately. Um, even the, even people that don't believe in him. Uh, one time there was, uh, we had a singles gathering at our church and um, there was a, a, a young lady that was there for the first time and she was sitting in the front and the Lord gave me a word. It was very specific and I looked at her and I just said, um, I believe, and I always would say this, I'd say, you know, I'm going to tell you something I believe is from the Lord and if it doesn't, if it's not right, it's me. It's not God. God doesn't make mistakes, but I can and I would say that, you know, uh, I think partly because I was scared. I don't know. But um, and I looked at her and I said, I feel like the Lord has told me that you're uh, getting ready to commit suicide. 
And uh, in fact, uh, when you sit on your bed, uh, you're laying on your bed, on the left side of your bed is your dresser, and in the top drawer you have a bottle of pills, and you're going to take them. And her eyes got huge. And I said, is that true? And she said, yes. It's on my dresser on the left side of my bed in the top drawer. And she got saved that night. She wasn't a Christian. She got saved. Her name was Chris, Chris Miller. And um, it's funny because this morning there's a a young lady here, uh, Angie. Angie, wave your hand. She went to my singles group in Oak Creek. This happened at Oak Creek. They're visiting. And um, uh, there was one morning where um, I, I was sharing and the Lord laid on my heart. And I said, there's a guy here that you are going, it's funny, a lot of them were suicide. Um, I said, there's a guy here that uh, the Lord uh, has laid on my heart. You went out and bought a gun. And you came to church one last time. And you said, if God doesn't do something, I'm going to kill myself. And I, I said, I didn't know who it was, unlike the other one. I really didn't know. There was, you know, probably in that sanctuary, there was probably six, seven hundred people there. I said, but if that's you, raise your hand. And this guy raised his hand, and he had bought a gun, and he had come to church one last time. And that, Angie, that was Rick Borger. Yeah. And, um, and I guess the last one I'll share before I hand it back to Pastor is I share this one a lot, but there was a, a young lady that came down at a service, and I was, it was in Michigan, and I was walking down and praying for people. And as I got down to her, I started to pray, and the Lord laid a, uh, two words on my heart to share with her, and the words were teddy bear, which I thought was really strange. And I almost didn't want to say it because I thought that's going to sound really weird. And I looked at her, but I knew, all of a sudden I knew. And I looked at her and I said, you are so lonely that you are crying yourself to sleep in your bed every night hugging a teddy bear because you're so lonely. And she said, I just moved here from across the country to go to college. I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss my church. She goes, I've been going to sleep every night crying hugging my teddy bear. And I said, the Lord wants me to tell you, you don't have to hug the teddy bear. He's in the room. And she knew it. She knew it because how would I know? And you see, that's God, you guys. That's, and, and, and those words scared me to say them. I, I want, I'd love to tell you that I just stood up there with power and authority. But just about every one of them, I went, ooh, boy, is this going to sound weird if I'm wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, there's just that point that you have to realize that we're human. God's perfect. He doesn't expect us to be perfect like him. So we step out in faith. And if we do make a mistake, well, we just swallow our pride and go on, you know? But God works through imperfection. You know, the Bible says that uh, that that we we we. We see in part, we prophesy in part. We don't know everything. It's called a word of knowledge, not a book of knowledge. God doesn't tell you everything about someone. He gives you a word of knowledge. So anyways, I'm starting to preach. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) So back in the day, we had uh, early service, uh, 8 o'clock service, uh, you know, maybe 100 people in that service. And uh, there was a message that came forth, and I, I would definitely call it a rhema 
of knowledge uh, that God gave to this man. And actually, when I heard it, I, I didn't know what to do with it. It was, it was, here's how it, here's how it came out. Stop touching her. You stop that. You stop touching her. And that was the word. <laughs> I was like, dear God, what? But in that, you know, later it came out that there was a man who was molesting his granddaughters. You know, God knows us. He loves us. He cares about us. He wants you to know today, if you don't grasp anything else, would you just grasp this? God knows you. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. He loves you, and he wants to minister to you, and he wants to teach you how to be prepared to minister to others. You know, one thing that he did not give us was the spirit of being shy, afraid. I've missed out so many times on being used in a gift because of my own lack of confidence. God, I would call it God confidence. But I've also stepped out many times and been used. I've also stepped out a few times and missed, the, missed it. So I guess what I'm trying to say today is I want our church to operate in the supernatural gifts. I want you to be, amen. I want you to be, make yourself available today to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, uh, could there perhaps be a rhema of knowledge that I'm able to give to someone today. Maybe it's the waitress. Maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's uh, the, the, the Amazon guy. Does he come to your house every day like he comes to my house every single day? I, I told him one day, if there's ever a day you don't deliver something to my house, would you pray for my wife? She must be sick. neighbor. I don't know. But, but be available. Be ready. Be, be thinking about it. Lord, uh, let, me, let me give you another example, and then, then we're going to close with uh, healing and miracles. My mom, uh, we had a time, at, uh, there's five of us kids. I was the youngest. My middle brother, right in the middle, the third, third child was quite rebellious as a teenager and left and we didn't know where he was for a while and it was really hard and uh, the Lord gave my mom a rhema of knowledge that was a scripture Romans 16 20 but my God shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly and man she heard that in her spirit and she grabbed hold of that for our family and none of us ever worried again about my brother and he came home just a short time after that. My
My God shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Christina, come here real quick. Tell everybody what you do every time you go to a restaurant. Will you? Well, actually, I was just listening to what you do, Pastor. I mean, that's what you do, too. You know, you're giving an example. Um, but, yes, every everywhere I go, whether it's a restaurant, it could be a gas station. Admittedly, even when I got a, a ticket, I prayed and gave a word of knowledge to the officer. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, seriously. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed that happens is before I go in, I just go with an expectant heart. I expect an encounter with the Holy Spirit to just to move through me. There have been times that I'll see somebody and maybe I have a book or I have, I have a card to give to somebody. And what I'll do is I will just offer prayer. It could be somebody that's sitting with me. It could be somebody sitting at another table. Um, but if I get that word that I need to pray for that person, I will. Um, one time the prayer, well, actually for a good season of my life, um, it was about unforgiveness and bitterness. Janae just spoke on that forgiveness, unforgiveness, and that was just so beautiful, and that's so on point. That unforgiveness is what stands in the way a lot of times for us. And so you can imagine when you offer somebody a prayer, and they say, yeah, just pray a blessing, and you start going into breaking unforgiveness off of them, and whoever hurt them offering to stand in the gap for that apology they never received, and to see that person just kind of come alive because you're trusting in the Holy Spirit. Um, but one of the things that I think you may be touching on is it's a simple way. If, if you find it difficult, maybe just to walk up to somebody and offer prayer. I carry um, cards in my purse, in my pocket, and they're just little gift cards. Get them at the $1.25 tree. <laughs> Get them at the $1.25 tree. And what we do is it's eight cards, and I just write a thank you or a message to the server. Um, I don't know the server usually, but usually it's just a message, whatever God's put on my heart. And I ask, what's, what's the message for this person? It can be about unforgiveness. It can be about if you don't know Jesus, he loves you. It can be that your kindness and your, the way you're serving shows me that you've gone through pain because the way you love through your pain is beautiful, and that's Jesus. And I'll just put that in there, and that's where I put the tip. So what we do is it's just an easy way to just throw Jesus out there and let them catch it, whoever will. So that's one of the things that I think you were talking about, that it's just an everyday, daily activity. And if we can't speak Jesus, show him. So. Amen. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> Father, give us words of wisdom. Rhema. Give us words of knowledge. Rhema. A, a, a fit word. Like Proverbs says, it's like apples of gold and settings of silver. It's going to mean something. Sometimes it's going to mean the difference between life and death. And Father, give us faith. The gift of supernatural faith. When we're facing something so difficult, Lord, sometimes the only thing that's going to get us through is that gift of faith. We know you're going to carry us through. Lord, you're still the, the God of healing. You're still the God of miracles. You can give us a prophetic word to speak forth from time to time. 
then, of course, Lord, we want to discern what spirit we're dealing with. And Lord, in our, in our church service, I think it's best used in smaller groups, in our 242 groups. Uh, uh, those are the best settings for a message in, uh, or a, a gift of tongues or interpretation. But at times it'll happen here for us. But we just need to be so, you know, we just want everything done, decent and in order. Here's what I want to do as we close today. I'm going to ask if you've ever been a pastor in any church or if you've ever been a deacon in any church, I want to ask you to come stand here with me all across the front. Okay? All the way across the front. Now, we are very limited in our, in our oil bottles. So we'll start with you, Aaron, right there. And uh, Jerry or Olga. Okay. Now, come on up. These are what the Bible calls elders. And here's what the Bible says to do. It says, is anybody sick? Call for the elders of the church, and they will anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith so that you will be healed. If you're sick, 